We've been in this series uh, for the last uh, four weeks called One Thing, and we've been looking at uh, several pieces of this, of where this little phrase, one thing, is used, and just how uh, important it is, how it calls our attention uh, to some of the, sometimes the things that we, that we miss. Uh, we started off talking about that most important thing, that you know, more than anything else, it's, it's, it's loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, and it's about you know, having this personal relationship with God. We talked about how do we get past our past. You know, we talked about, Paul said, you know, I'm not perfect, but one thing I've learned to do, and that's setting aside those things that are behind and moving forward to those things which are ahead. Uh, last week, we talked about, you know, just how when Jesus confronted a rich young ruler and said, you know, there's a lot of great things going on for you, but there is one thing that you lack, and that is there's something that's really coming between you and God that you really need to face and deal with. And today, as we, as we wrap this series up, Jesus points out one more one thing that I think sometimes we really don't understand how, just how significant it is. So let's jump to the scripture. If you want to look, uh, op- take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me. Uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. I'm going to look at that from the New Living Translation. We'll throw it up on the screen for all of you watching online. We're going to look at this, at this passage of scripture. And as we do that, I, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Those are the New International Version. It might be just a little bit different, but you're more than willing to, uh, more than, uh, re- willing to read that. You're happy to have, have you do that. Those Bibles are our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible or if you know someone who needs a Bible, please feel free to take one of those home with you and uh, give it to them. We want everybody to have access to the Word of God. Let's look at the story. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was what? She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, let me stop here for a second. How many of you think, I think Martha's on to something? I mean, honestly, if you, if you put yourself in that situation, you're, you know, you're in the kitchen, you're getting ready for a big dinner, you're doing all this stuff, and you see your sister just, you know, kind of sitting in the living room, kind of taking in the stuff. You know, come on, if we're, if we're honest, we go, I don't think that what she's saying is that unreasonable. I don't think that what Martha's saying is really that far off. It's not what she was doing was a good thing. Martha was doing a good thing, but it just wasn't the best thing. And this is the point that Jesus, you, at this juncture, this is where, where he you, seizes the opportunity to really teach a great lesson. Look at what he says. It says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. Now read this last verse out loud with me. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I want to go back to the scripture. When I sat down with it uh, this last week, and I just really began to say, Lord, teach teach me from this. What what are some things that we really need to know that you are trying to get across in this story with Mary and Martha? And here are a few things that I pulled out that I really hope, I hope they will challenge you, and I hope that they will encourage you 
in your journey of faith. Are you ready? Here's a few thoughts that I had. First of all, Jesus unconditionally invites each of us to sit with him. Jesus unconditionally invites each of us to sit with him. Now, there is a, uh, there's a cultural piece here that we often miss. Um, when we read this story, one of the things that when we read it from a 21st century eyes, we, we, don't, we don't really catch this. But one of the things that was going on here was that women were not treated like men in those days. Um, in, in the first century, women really weren't to, to sit where men sat when the rabbi was doing teaching. Um, rabbis didn't choose women to be their disciples. They chose men. And so if you can imagine for just a moment where Jesus gathers in this home and there are primarily men sitting around in this room and then Mary just kind of camps down among them, I got to tell you, I'm going to say that it was probably more than awkward for a few of them. I'm going to guess that it wasn't just Martha that was the one that was wondering what she was doing here. My guess is that there were probably some men looking over going, you know, what's this woman doing in here? I mean, this is just kind of out of sync. But this is how Jesus was. One of the incredible things about Jesus' ministry is that he always took people who were kind of on the outside of things and brought them near. He was, he was a big advocate for women. He was a big advocate for, for children. He, he was a big advocate for people who <coughs> excuse me, were, were pushed to the, to the uh, outskirts of society. Jesus was big. He invited everyone into his presence. Now, just think about this with me for a second, because the, 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 the kind of trying to put it in a modern-day sermon, if you could imagine, imagine yourself being a worker at Chesapeake Arena. Uh, imagine yourself being called into work because the governor was going to have this big banquet and all this stuff going on, and you were there to help either doing security, or you were helping serve at the tables, or you were, you were kind of helping, you were doing all that. Imagine for just a moment uh, you, you, you being there and someone coming up to you saying, by the way, the governor wants you to join him at his table. And you're like, what? Yeah, that's how surprising it is. Now get this, look at me. The God who created all of this unconditionally invites you to sit with him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where your life has been. The, the, the incredible thing is about Jesus was no matter who they were, Jesus always invited people to sit with him, and he does still. There may be days you wake up and you feel like 500 pounds of, of sin on a popsicle stick. You, know, you, may, you may feel like you've been the worst person in the world, but no matter who you are, what your day is like, Jesus always unconditionally invites you into his presence. It's, it's one of those almost too good to be true kinds of stories. Um, you ever hear those things? It's, they're, they're too good to be true. You know, um, our Debbie Spears, who, was our, uh, who used to be our office manager here at Chartel, he uh, retired, <laughs> excuse me, retired a couple years ago. And uh, about 15 years ago, uh, Debbie was sitting in the office and got a phone call. And the man at the other end, at the end of the line said, uh, said hey, uh, hey, I am a representative for and named a, uh, a well-known businessman here in Oklahoma City and said he has decided to give your church $100,000. 
Now, Debbie is skeptical, as most people would be. I mean, how many of you have gotten emails from banks in Nigeria saying, you know, you, you, yeah, you can get millions of dollars, you know, that kind of thing? Well, that, that's kind of what Debbie was thinking was going on. It's like, okay, so what do you want? You know, you want the church bank account, you know, so you can transfer the money in there, all that kind of stuff. So she, you know, she's like, yeah, right, you know, right, right, okay, yeah, 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 you know. And, and the guy's, no, seriously, seriously, yeah, 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 thank you very much. Have a nice day. Hangs up. Well, then the businessman himself calls back and says, no, this is me. I I know the church. I know the church. This is how I know the church. I really do want to give you $100,000. And he did. He gave the church $100,000. There's a reason why Debbie is no longer answering phones for us (laughs) at the church. (laughs) Almost lost us that one. We, We... But it's one of those, it's too good to be true. It's just too good to be true. But you know what? It's true. Look at me. Don't miss this. I know it feels like it's too good to be true, but it's not. The God who spoke everything into existence loves you so much that regardless of your past, regardless of your history, regardless of what your life is like, he invites you to sit with him. Amen? I, I love how it was always shocking to people. Uh, Luke chapter 5, if you remember the story, uh, Jesus has called Levi to come be one of his disciples. Levi was a tax collector, people who were hated. And it said, soon Levi held a reception at his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests were there. Now read this out loud. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples about his eating with such notorious sinners. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing? You know, the, you're, you're making room for the least of the least. And Jesus is like, yes, these are the very people that I came for. I, I love Revelation chapter 3, the picture of Jesus knocking at, at our homes. Look at this. He says, look, I have been standing at the door, and I am constantly knocking. Read it with me. If anyone, stop, circle that word. If anyone hears me, call me, and, and calling him to opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. If anyone, everybody say the word anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. God is constantly pursuing us, constantly knocking at the door of our heart, constantly wanting to engage us. At any time, we can pause and have an audience with the God who made it all. Amen? Well, Pastor Steve, what what does God want from me? Glad you asked. God's desire for us is that we would know him, Love him and grow in him. God's desire is that we would know him, love him, and grow in him. The Hebrews had this idea of God, that God was an unknowable God. He was an untouchable God. He was an unreachable God. But that's not the way God had designed it to be. 
They had forgotten that at the very beginning of time when God created man, God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. God created us to be in close relationship, knowing him and him knowing us. And that, that, that had been so far gone that they had forgotten. And so they didn't really understand that Jesus was all about helping us learn again how to get to know God. Now, just think, think this thought with me for a second. If I were to ask you, tell me what you know about God, what could you say? You see, what I've discovered is that a lot of people know a little bit about God, but they don't really know God. Because when you know God, it changes everything. It changes everything. Tim Keller, who's an author, um, I just love some of the stuff he writes. And he was talking about some of his favorite conversations are with people who don't believe in God at all. And he will talk about how he will engage someone who says that they're an agnostic or an atheist. And he'll talk about God and they will say, I don't believe in God. And Tim Keller will say to them, well, tell me about this God that you don't believe in because I may not believe in that God either. And it's so cool. And then they'll talk about, well, I, I don't believe in a God who, who, who's angry. I, I don't believe in a God who just wants to send people to hell. I, I don't believe in a God who, who causes all of these things. And, 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 and Tim Keller will say, you know what? I'm with you. I don't believe in that God either. But you know what kind of God I do believe in? I do believe in a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. I do believe in a God who loves this world so much that he didn't want anybody to go to hell, so he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son that anyone who would believe in him would not have to perish, but they could have everlasting life. I believe in that God. Do you believe in that God? You see, one of the things that happens, and this is why it's so important, when we, when we talk about taking time to sit down with the Scriptures, are taking time to not only reflect on them, but, but to pray and to listen to God and hear what he might be saying. When we talk about doing that kind of stuff, it's not about just memorizing your Bible and knowing this. It's about knowing God. And you know what happens when you get to know God? You fall in love with them. You fall in love with them. What's the greatest picture of God that we have? Come on, it's Sunday school. You know what the answer always is. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. You know, yeah. If the teacher asks the question, the answer is always Jesus. So it's Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is the perfect picture. Look at me. Don't miss this. Everything you want to know about God, you can find in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why he came. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you walk through the Gospels and you see all this stuff that, that Jesus did, you know what? You can't help but fall in love with him. That's what God wants. God doesn't want slaves. He wants people who love him. That's why when Jesus was asked that question, you remember, what's the greatest commandment? You know, what's the one we really got to keep? Jesus said, it's this. You know it. Say it out loud with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said that one and loving your neighbor like yourself, all the other rules are, are built on those two. That's why Jesus said, I just, I just want you to love me because here's what happens. If you, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He's not looking for a rules following. He's looking for a loving relationship. You, if you get to know God, you'll fall in love with God. And as you fall in love with God, guess what? You'll begin to grow. 
I, I love the passage of Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 30, where he was talking about you know, choosing to follow the ways of the Lord. Read it out loud with me. He says, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Now, don't miss this, don't miss this progression. Jesus says, sit with me. Get to know me. And as you begin to get to know him, you begin to love him. You begin to see how much he loves you. You begin to see that he's a shepherd and a healer and a father and a deliverer who, who, who doesn't love someone who wants to do so much good in their life. And as you love him and spend time with him, you, you, begin, you begin to grow. You begin to take on his characteristic. His spirit begins to feel you, and more and more, you begin to look like God. You know, how many married couples we got here today? Yeah. Have you, have you experienced that through the years of marriage, how you become, start becoming a little bit like each other? You know, Wanda and I, you guys haven't been married long enough, to, long enough for that. Some of you have already gotten to the end, touched it, and you're heading back the other way now. But Wanda and I were talking about this not long ago, how, how you know, we're, 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 starting to, we're starting to think more alike. Uh, we're starting to look more alike. No, we're not really starting to look more alike. <laughs> well, maybe. I'm getting shorter. Yeah, that may, that may be. Yeah, that may. But, but you, you start taking on, it, it's, just, it's just a natural, who, who, people that you're around, people that you're around, you, you start becoming like them. You, you, start, you start doing it. How many of you got pets? How many of you got pets? How many of you have started looking like your pet? Yeah, some of you, I know you have. I, have you ever seen this? This is really cool, how people look like their dogs. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Isn't that great? That's this guy's dog. Throw, throw the next picture up. Those are twins. I swear, they're twins. Throw the next picture up. Isn't that awesome? Throw it. One more. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Got all the got it. Got it. I love it. I love it. And, and for all you football fans, you're going to love this. Throw that next one up. <laughs> Peyton Manning never looked that good, man. I guess. I think. I, I, I love it. Well, it's, it's, just kind of, it's just kind of the natural flow of things. You know, sometimes, sometimes when we think about pleasing God, we, we think about striving and, and we got to try so hard. No, 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 no. All you need to do is spend time with God. And as you spend time with God, his spirit begins to fill you. And as his spirit fills you, you begin to look more and more like him. That's what Paul was getting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, read it with me. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, what Paul was getting at was, in the Old Testament, Moses would go up on the mountain where the tabernacle was, and this Shekinah glory of God would, would be there, be glowing. And Moses would go up, and he would spend time in the presence of God. And when he would come down, I mean, his face would literally be, be glowing. 
And people, when they saw him, they said, dude, you're freaking us out. Cover your face, you know, cover your head. It was just too much for him. But that was that glory of God as Moses just spent time. And that's what happens with us as we sit in the presence of God, as we let him speak into our heart, as we lean into him and allow his spirit to fill us. Paul says that's that's leaning into the glory of God and more and more of God's glory begins to fill up. You see, that's the plan of God. That we would start out as newborns, born again, and that we would grow to look ever more like our Father. Does that make sense to you? That's what God, when he was, what's God's desire for us? He, he wants us to know him, he wants us to love him, and he wants us to grow in him. That's what his heart is. Let me give you one more. And this will be really good for a lot of us. God wants you to be with him and not just do stuff for him. God wants you to be with him and not just do stuff for him. Now, everybody look at me for a second. This is why this is so important. What Martha was doing was a good thing. Martha was just trying to get dinner ready. It, it's wasn't, it wasn't that her activity uh, for what she was doing for Jesus was a bad thing. No, it was a good thing. But that good thing was getting in the way of a better thing. And that's what Jesus was trying to point out to, to, to Martha. Well, it was Martha, it's not, it's not what you're doing is bad, but, but, but Mary recognizes that the very best thing that you can do is not, not do a bunch of stuff for me, but just take time to be with me. Now, I can't, I'm a pastor, and I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but there are a lot of people that I've seen through the years in the life of the church who are doing way too much, and they're not being nearly enough. In other words, more than just constantly engaging in church activity, we need to be sitting down with God and his word and just letting him pour into us. Does that make sense to you? Isn't it interesting? Look at, look at how Jesus, when he, how he called the disciples. It says, and he appointed 12. He appointed them to do what? Read it out loud. That they might be with him. Circle that. That they might be with him. When Jesus called the 12 disciples, the very first thing he wanted was that they might be with him. Then he might send them out to preach. Don't, don't, don't get that backwards. He didn't say, hey, I need a bunch of people to do some stuff. He said, I need 12 guys who will just be with me for three years. Just be with me. Sit with me. Eat with me. Learn from me. Let, let me pour into you. And then, and then there will come a time you can do Go back to the verse from the beginning from, of our text today, which is why the Lord said to Martha, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Read it with me, church. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Several years ago, I was, uh, I was pastoring in uh, Pennsylvania, and it was toward Christmas time, and Wanda and I were talking about 
Christmas gifts for the family. Her, her family and mine lived about four hours away. And so we were talking about what do we get our parents, what do we get you know, our siblings and all that. And then Wanda asked me the question. She said, well, Steve, what do you want to get for your, your grandmother? My grandmother died at 95, so she was probably about 92 at the time. And when Wanda asked me that question, I, I, just, I just started thinking about my grandma. Um, my, my grandma was really special to me. Um, my grandmother was the one person in my life that I knew really believed in me. When I was growing up, we'd always go out to the farm on Sundays and have lunch and with the whole family and all the cousins. And my grandmother was always such, such a great encourager. And, you know, when I, when I felt the call to ministry in high school and I told my grandma, she had a big grin on her face and she gave me a great big hug. And she said, I always knew you'd make a preacher, you know. And she was just like that. When I went away to college, I mean, my, grand, my grandparents never had much. But, you know, every, every few weeks, man, I'd get a $5 bill in the mail from grandma, you know, just thinking, thinking about me. And, and she was like that all through year. And I just thought, you know, grandma's not going to be around much longer. And I want to I get her something special. And so I started brainstorming with Wanda a little bit. I'm thinking, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you get a 92-year-old woman who's in a, in a nursing home, you know? I mean, her mind was still real sharp, but her body, you know, couldn't, couldn't get around much. And, and I'm thinking, you know, how many, how many robes can she use? How many slippers can she wear? How much bath powder can she use? And, and, I, and I, I asked the question, I thought, if, what, would, what would my grandmother really want? And you know what it was? It was me. Now, I, I know I wouldn't be a great Christmas present for you. I, I, I get that. I get that. But I realized that, you know, more than anything else, my, my grandmother loved to spend time with me. And it was about a four-hour drive. And I got, I got so excited, I called my brother, and I asked him if I could spend a night at his house there in the town where my grandmother lived. And uh, a couple of days before Christmas, I, I drove over and spent the night. I called the nursing home, told them I was going to be coming to, to make sure that my grandmother had her up and bathed and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so that next morning when I, I got up and I put on my best suit, and I had a card that I'd gotten for Grandma that I, I'd, I'd written in, and I stopped and I got some flowers. And I'll never forget, man, when I, I walked into her room, and you know, my grandmother just she just beamed from ear to ear. She was so excited to see me, and I, I put the flowers on the table and I, I gave her a kiss, and and I sat by her bed, and for all for a couple hours that morning, we just we talked about the farm, we talked about you know days on the farm and the crazy stuff my uncles did, and we we laughed and we told stories. We had so much fun. Then they they brought her lunch in, and and I had the, the privilege of feeding my grandma. I think I actually stole her Jello, if I remember. But, but uh, I got to, I got to feed my grandma, you know, and that was that was so tender, and that was so I was just you know that reverse of roles where my grandmother used to take care of me, and now I'm taking care of her. In the afternoon, I, I got my Bible out and I began to just read some scripture to Grandma, and and um, and then we I, I asked her what her favorite scriptures were, and I started reading those. <sighs> And then I, I, I took some time just to tell my grandma how grateful I was. How I would never be able to pay her back for what she had done for me. 
My grandmother had asked me some years before if I would preach her funeral when she died. And I reminded her of that. And I said, Grandma, I, I will preach her funeral one day. And I said, but at that funeral, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something else in addition to preach. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing. And I said, there's a Ray Bolt song that I love. It's called Thank You. And I am who I am because you gave. And so I, I sang that song to my grandma. I said, I want you to hear it. And so I sang that song, and I just watched the tears roll down my grandma's face. And I just climbed up in the bed beside her, and I put my arm around her, and I just, I just held her. I just laid her beside her and, and held her. When I got done, I, I put my hand on her head, and I, I prayed. And I just blessed her and thanked God that I had the privilege of having someone so incredible in my life. And then I kissed, I kissed my grandmother and I left. When I was driving out of town, I got on Interstate 70 to head back to PA. I, I had a thought that really hit me. I, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I, I've messed up many times. But I felt like God put his hand on me in the car. And I just felt like God said, you did this one right. You did this one right. I, I thought of that experience this week when I, when I wrote this message. Because I get so busy being a pastor. Sometimes I forget just to be a child of God. You know, more than me preaching sermons, more than me counseling people, more than me being out in the community, being an ambassador for Chartel, more than anything else, can I tell you what my heavenly father wants for me? He wants me to be with him. And that's what he wants from you. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, today, uh, there are still moments when it is almost unfathomable to me that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would love me so much and that you would invite me to sit with you. I think, honestly, God, that's something that's hard for many of us to understand. But, Father, you're so clear in your word that what you want from us is not just to follow rules, not just to keep regulations, not just to jump through hoops. You don't want us just doing a bunch of busy things around you want us to be with you. God, forgive us. We get so busy. Man, we got jobs that are demanding and families that need our time and attention and hobbies to do and homes to fix up and all kinds of stuff going on in our lives. And, and we're like Martha. God, we got all, all of these details that aren't bad things. They're good things. They're, not, they're just not that one thing that's bad. 
And so, Father, my prayer for every single one of us is that you would, that you teach us the art of slowing down, that you would teach us the art of doing less and being more, that you would help us to listen to you knocking at the door of our heart, and that we would open that door, that we would sit daily with your word, that we would spend time thinking about who you are and what you want to do in our lives. That we would lean into you with all that we have. Because God, I believe that if we get to know you, we're going to really fall in love with you. And as we love you, we'll grow to be like you. Father, thank you for these words today that you spoke. In days that we are more like Martha, whisper in our ear, there's only one thing that's best. And help us to make time for that one thing. In your precious name we pray today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.